Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, I'm Ryan Mallory, and this is my Swing Trading the Stock Market podcast. I'm here to teach you how to trade in a complex, ever-changing world of finance. Learn what it means to trade profitably and consistently, managing risk, avoiding the pitfalls of trading, and most importantly, to let those winners run wild. You can succeed at the stock market, and I'm ready to show you how. Hey, everybody. This is Ryan Mallory with SharePointers Swing Trading the Stock Market. And today's episode, we're going to talk about good faith violations. we got a guy here. He's a California guy. He's grown up in Northern California. And like with all podcast episodes, I don't use their real name. Instead, I give him a usually a Florida redneck name unless they specify otherwise. In this case, he wants me to give him a California name. And the only one that I can think of, I've only been to California a couple times and it hasn't been in the last decade. So I'm going to give him the name Ken from that Barbie movie, which, by the way, I've not seen, will not see. Nobody in our household has seen. Ain't going to see that thing. But in any case, I am old enough to remember, you know, kids playing with dolls. Not me, but others. And there was a Ken, you know, the Ken, Ken and Barbie dolls, right? So we'll give him the name Ken. Ken is a California name. I think Barbie's all about California or something like that. So in any case, Ken writes, <laughs> Ryan, my name is Ken, I am a 30-year-old single father of three kids under the age of six. Wow, that's a lot. Born and raised in Northern California, so if you use my email in a podcast, feel free to give me a California bro name rather than a Florida man name. Sorry in advance for the long email. That's good. I want to hear your stories. People want to hear your stories too, so there's no problem with that. He continues with, I started trading in early February 2021, mostly due to the GME pump in late January of that same year. Not that I participated, thankfully, in it. I just heard about it in the news, and it piqued my interest. Not knowing any better, I downloaded the Robinhood app and put $50 in it. For the first couple of weeks, I YOLO'd that $50 into all sorts of dumb stuff, from Dogecoin to TLRY. I quickly realized I knew almost nothing and dove into Investopedia podcasts and YouTube to shorten my learning curve. I was lucky to find Swing Trade in the Stock Market podcast, and after a couple weeks, I had listened to every episode. I would wake up in the morning to your voice in my head saying, you have to manage the risk. I have also since joined your Patreon, and I'm more than happy with my subscription. So much good analysis and information that I just don't have time to do on my own. Well, that's great. And I don't even have to plug it now. <laughs> since then, I have essentially traded sideways. I took $50 from my Robinhood account and moved it to a Webull account. I still not the best, but I put about $2,500 into that account to play around with. I have been up as much as 1% and down as much as 1.5%, partly due to market choppiness. And the other issue I have run into has to do with the good faith violations. I am curious to hear your advice on how to deal with them when trading with a smaller account. My great trades, mostly from your recommendations, have been wiped out by dumb decisions. One penny stock, CTRM, never again with a penny stock. And coin, yes, I know, I listened to your podcast just after I bought it and swore at myself for the whole episode. Also, not being able to honor my stop losses due to the fear of a good faith violation. 
So by the way, I didn't say anything about CTRM. I don't do any penny stocks, uh, just so that doesn't get confused in there. As he continues to write, I am not sure, or I'm not 100% sure if every trading platform has these good faith violations, but essentially I will buy a stock with unsettled funds and it limits my ability to sell said stock unless two or more days have gone by. This has bit me two or three times now. For example, I bought one share of Tesla on April 13th at $724. This was pre-split and wrote it up to $780. The next morning, only to watch it plummet back down to $732, erasing all of my profits. When under my trading plan, I would have caught the lion's share of the move. That was the worst example as some of my biggest losses were on the trades that I wanted to get out of so badly but didn't want my account suspended for 90 days, which is Weeble's policy for the third good faith violation. When I can be, I am religious about my stop losses being a fairly risk adverse person. I know likely the smart thing to do would be to put more cash into the account and leave a portion in cash so I don't have to worry about unsettled funds. That makes it tough to put on any remotely decent sized position. Or could I potentially change platforms, but I do like the user interface on Weeble. Most of the time, I rely on your trading setups and follow the daily charts for those stocks. And when they seem poised to break out, I will buy usually with a stop loss of no more than 2 to 3%. Also, Weeble will not honor the stop loss if it means you will get hit on your third good faith violation. I just noticed this when I got notification that my advanced order was canceled as a stock plunged below my stop loss. Again, love the podcast and the YouTube channel. Looking forward to your advice. Feel free to rip me a new one. I can take it. Thanks for your time. Sincerely, Ken. Now, here's the funny thing about this email. This was from April 30th, 2021. It showed up in my email account. I was trying to clean things up and everything. It showed that I never read this email. And usually that never happens. And so, yes, can that happen? Sure, I'm human. The amount of spam that I get on a daily basis from people wanting to sell me a new software for SharePointer happens all the time. But being true to this guy is a great email, hoping that he still listens to the show. And if you do, send me an email telling me that you actually got to hear it. I went back through the all the episodes during that time, could not find any episode like that. So hopefully this isn't like a repeat episode. Also, coming up on 400 episodes, can't really remember every episode that I've done. So this one was an unread email. I'm assuming that I haven't done this before. But nonetheless, even if I have, it should be it's still pretty interesting because I might have a different angle to it than I did, say, three years ago. So in honor of the GameStop era when this email was written and considering the fact that he got his start during the GME pump from that year, let's talk about these good faith violations as it pertains to a video game, right? So imagine that you're into buying and selling video games and the stock market people obviously buy and sell pieces of a company that we call stocks, right? Hoping to make a profit. But there are rules to follow just like in a game that you might be playing. A good faith violation in the stock market happens when you buy stocks but then sell them again before you've actually paid for them with the money that was supposed to be in your account. It's like buying a video game with a promise to pay later then selling a game to someone else before you've paid for it yourself. This is a no-no because it's risky and it goes against the rules. If you do this once in the stock market, you might get a warning. Or if you do it you know, with a video game, you might get a warning. But if you keep breaking the rules, the brokerage firm where you buy and sell stocks they might put you in a timeout by suspending your ability to buy or sell stocks for a while. This is a make sure that you have the money to first before you buy anything. So a good faith violation is a reminder to pay your broker for your order that you bought, the stocks that you bought, before you go about selling that stock. So the cash has to settle. When you buy a security and sell it before those funds have fully settled and they usually take a couple days, then you're breaking the rules of a cash account. And you do it enough times, they'll suspend you. 
So is there a way around it? Yeah, there is. It's a margin account. You have to get a margin account to prevent this. So switching to a margin account can help you avoid good faith violations, but it's like playing the stock market on a more advanced level with its own set of risks. And a cash account. You need to use the actual money that you have to buy stock, and you have to wait for that money to settle and become officially transferred after you sell the stocks before you can use it again. This is where good faith violations happen if you sell stocks before your money has settled. A margin account is different, though. It's like the brokerage firm gives you a loan to buy more stocks than you can afford with your own money. This means that you can buy and sell stocks without waiting for your previous sales to settle because the firm is covering you in the meantime. Going back to the video game illustration, it's a bit like borrowing coins from the game's bank or to buy items that you need right now, even if you don't have enough coins at that money. Or I guess in the Fortnite world, it would be like V-Bucks. But just like borrowing money in real life, there are risks. If the stocks you buy with borrowed money lose value, you could end up owing more money than you have. This is called a margin call. And if that happens, you'd have to put more money into your account quickly or sell some of the stocks at a loss to cover the debt. So with a margin account, it does open up the temptation to trade with more money than what you have in an account. Usually for swing trading purposes, they'll give you two to one. So you can go 100% into margin or 200% long with your account based off of margin. And when you do that, they're not going to lose their money first. So if you're, let's say you YOLO into a stock at $100 and you put all of your money into the account, you're 200% long on it. And that stock drops 50% overnight from earnings. Let's say you bought Snapchat or something and held it into earnings. Guess what? You're not equally losing money. You're not like a partner with the bank. The bank's basically just giving you the liquidity. But as soon as you drop 50%, you're wiped out. You have no more money in your account and they walk away with all their money. And if you go beyond a 50% drop on a 200% trade, then you owe the bank money. Just how it works. Do I trade with margin? Yes, because I don't want to deal with the good faith violations. But I don't trade beyond like 100% of what I have ever. I just don't do that. And margin's necessary for other things too. I mean, you need margin if you're going to short the stock market. You need margin for many other things as well. So for swing trading... You don't want to be weighed down by the good faith violations. You need a margin account. Now, you can't just you know, open up as many margin accounts as you want. Most brokerages will limit you to like one margin account per person. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, going into some of the other issues here that Ken is having, he says a couple of things that catches me off guard. He says, when I can be, I'm religious about my stop losses, being fairly risk-adverse person. And I'm thinking to myself, what? When I can be, I'm being religious about my stop losses. Look, I'm a Christian, and I'm not a Christian when I can be. I'm a Christian all the time. you know. And, and, and it's kind of like with trading, you don't use stop losses when you can, you have to use it all the time. Always use stop losses because things can go wrong in the stock market. It can go wrong when you don't think that anything could go wrong. Just yesterday, I was doing a live stream on the trading block and I was talking about Apple. It's like, you know, Apple's trading below the 200-day moving average today the last five or six times. It's tested the 200-day moving average. It's done an incredible job of recovering 
covering even if it dips below it intraday before the close. But now we only got like 42 minutes left of the trading session. This, this is literally what I said. We only have like 42 minutes left of the trading session. Apple's well below the 200-day moving average. It would take a miracle for the stock to get back above the 200-day moving average at this point. I don't see it happening. And for the next 38 minutes, I was spot on about that. <laughs> then at 3.56, four minutes left of the trading session, there was some AI news that broke that they're trying to compete with Microsoft on the AI front. And that stock shot right through the roof and recovered most of its losses on the day. And more importantly, recovered the 200-day moving average. The reason why I bring up this illustration is that things happen that you think there's no chance of that possibly happening. And then all of a sudden, it happens. And so when that happens against your interests in a stock that you might be holding and the stock goes down, man, you're going to be thankful that you had that stop loss in. I mean, how many people were probably shorting SMCI a month ago at 300 thinking, okay, this thing's gone way too high. And they put a short position on. And let's say they have a stop loss at 3.30. And then that thing just goes straight through the roof. Was anybody really expecting them to go from 300 to over $1,000 in the course of a month? No, but it did. And that's where people get wiped out. It's like, no way it's going to go from 300 to 400. Oh, crap. Now we're at 10.50. <laughs> See how bad it can get? You've got to have stop losses because they prevent the worst from happening. People got wiped out on that move with SMCI if they were shorting it and they had no stop losses. If they didn't manage the risk, they're done for. So stop losses. It's not about being adamant about using stop losses when you can be or when it's convenient for you. You got to do it all the time. Some other thoughts too, pertaining to Ken's trading. He's ignoring stops at times and, and he gets mad when he does. He ends up losing money. But why, why is he ignoring the losses? Why is he ignoring his stops? Is it because he's afraid to lose? Oftentimes that's what the case is. It's either you're afraid to lose or you're afraid of it going right back up. If you're afraid of it going right back up, then stagger your stops. It's something that I've been doing more just to be able to optimize my time in a trade. I'll take partial losers. And that's also helped my reward risk ratio as well. So I'll stagger my stops. And on the back end, let's say you're taking a third, a third, and a third on a losing trade. That also allows you to be able to take a little bit wider of a stop loss to the downside. Not that you have to, but let's say that you didn't feel comfortable going outside of 4%. Well, staggering your stop losses allows you to go beyond like maybe like five or 6% if you really wanted to, because when you average out the loss, it's going to be like somewhere around three or 4% probably. So that's one alternative, right? If you're afraid to lose and you're ignoring your stop losses, that's a critical trading error there because trading is about losing a lot. You're going to have many, many losing trades. I've had tons of them. I still have tons of them. But I also have winning trades. So the losing trades are going to happen. It's just part of the game. And staggering your stop losses to the downside too can help a lot. I mean, I know, for instance, if you look at some of the volatility in the market over the past week, you had Toll Brothers that had a breakout on Monday, and then you had the CPI report on Tuesday, and you had this massive gap lower that completely ruined the trade. If you took a third out of that trade following that initial reversal, yeah, you're left with two-thirds of a position, but you didn't get out of it completely, and the next day it goes right back up and breaks out again. And ultimately, you still have to have that line in the sand. This is the farthest that I'll let a trade go against me. So let's say you get into a stock at $100 and you have a stop loss at 95 And yeah, if it breaks out and comes back down, goes from like 101 or something back down to $98 a share, yeah, you'll go ahead and take a third out. If it goes down to $96, you will take another third, and then you'll close out the position at 95 But let's say instead 
the market gaps down the next day or the stock gets downgraded and it's trading at 95, you go ahead and get out at the full position. Yes, you still have to have that line in the sand. You don't start taking a third there at that point in time. No, not at all. But one, I think some at times staggering your losses can, one, give you the opportunity to reverse the loss ultimately. And two, can actually shrink the amount of risk that you're taking on each trade. Another thing I would say too, if you're trading with like a $2,500 account and you're trading a stock that's trading at $700, you can't really do that if you're trading a stock that's trading at that high of a level. So Tesla, this was pre-split pre days, trading at 700, you have a $2,500 account, one share that's you know over 25% of your account. You go two trades, you're talking about more than, 20, uh, more than 50% of your account. So if, if you want to get out in thirds, you'd have to like go over 75% of your account in that trade. And that's not a good thing. You don't want to be like 75, 80% long on a stock. And then you're going to run into those good faith violations as well. So trade like maybe some lower share prices. It doesn't have to be dramatically lower, but it can be like $100 a share. There's plenty of $100 stocks out there that you can buy. And so good faith violations, just to wrap this all up. Yeah, they can be frustrated. I wouldn't do swing trading. From my own perspective, I wouldn't be doing swing trading unless I was doing it with a margin account. I don't think GFBs become as much of an issue if you're using your account for long-term investing. But it can be for sure with swing trading or day trading or scalping. And yes, I've had good faith violations in the past. They're frustrating. They're stupid. You would think that with the advancements in technology, they could figure out how to make the whole settled cash thing, a th you know, a thing of the past and make it more instantaneous. But, but the banks are lagging in that area and there's nothing we can do about it. So and if you enjoyed this podcast episode, I encourage you to leave me a five-star review. Those things do mean the world to me. I read them all, and uh, I really do my best on these, these podcasts to prepare and to present you with my view of the stock market. Also, send me your emails. Even, even if it takes me three years to use it in a podcast episode, which I swear that's an outlier. That does not happen. But in this case, I found it. I was like, okay, I can't see where I ever used it. It was an unread email. I'm going to go ahead and do it. That's an abnormality. But I own it, though. So keep sending me your emails, ryan at shareplanner.com. I will make podcast episodes about them. If you send it to me about taxes, I get a lot of emails about taxes right now. Guys, I'm not an accountant. I, I just give all my trading data to my accountant, and he figures it all out. But anything else besides taxes, I usually can talk about. Thank you, guys, and God bless. Thanks for listening to my podcast, Swing Trading the Stock Market. I'd like to encourage you to join me in the Share Planner Trading Block, where I navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world. With your membership, you will get a seven-day trial and access to my trading room, including alerts via text, email, and WhatsApp. So go ahead, sign up by going to shareplanner.com slash trading block. That's www.shareplanner.com slash trading block. And follow me on Share Planner's Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where I provide unique market and trading information every day. If you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ryan at shareplanner.com. All the best to you, and I look forward to trading with you soon.